Okay, we're going to be in Luke chapter 18, Luke chapter 18. It is five verses, our selected portion. So we're going to read and we will look to our lesson for today with the Lord's help. All right, Luke chapter 18. Make sure I can get there. Seems like bookmarks aren't working here. All right, Luke chapter 18. We're going to break in here at verse 9. Verse 9 to verse 14. He also, that's Jesus, told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes to all that I have, all that I get. But the tax collector, standing afar off, would not even lift his eyes to heaven, but beating his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself, exalts himself, will be humbled. To the one, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Let's look one more time to the Lord. Father, we just ask you to open our eyes that we might behold wondrous things from your law. In the Lord Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. All right. When we come to this, this particular section, uh, in this particular parable, a um, couple observations. One, this one is only five verses, right? <laughs> so it's not that long. And from the beginning, he tells you what it means. Now, what is a parable? First, let's, let's take a step back um, as we're going through these parables. Well, what is a parable? Parable is a story. So then why is it that Jesus decided to use it? Now, sometimes we, uh, in conversation, will use stories generally in real life, but not necessarily like the way Jesus used them. Um, but some of these stories or parables, well, what, what was the purpose of it? Well, he tells us, um, this is in Matthew 13, but at the end of it, um, this is when the uh, he tells the story or the parable of the man who goes out who's a sower and he takes seed and he's throwing it out there and you know some of it goes on the ground the hard ground some of it goes in the nice dirt some of it goes into dirt with uh with rocks beneath the surface and you know the various uh soils and his disciples come to him after and to jesus and they said well what's the purpose of that why not come out and say what you mean well there's a reason for it jesus said to them they asked why do you speak to them in parallels Parables. He said, Jesus said to them, to you it has been given the secrets of the kingdom, but to them it has been not given. So there's the first thing. It's a twofold part. One is it was to reveal information, right? To you it's been given the secrets of the kingdom, right? God's decided that I'm going to, in this manner, present a truth and it's going to be done through this parable. But in the same sense, the other, the other side of it, it conceals truth. To them, it has not been given. Now, when you think about this, it's, uh, it is fascinating to me because there's no amount of effort. 
There's nothing that I could build. There's no uh, device or technology that I can construct that will let me tap into where God's at. Think about it. Now, if I want to listen into my neighbors, right, there's things that we can do, like what they do within their house. You know, I can, um, if I had the, the, the means to, you know, tap their phone line or I can uh, slip a microphone in there and hear what they're doing. Like, I could find out what's going on there, but that's impossible to God. So unless God reveals himself to us, we would have no idea. But God decided in this particular manner, when it comes to certain truths about the kingdom, that he'd do it through parables. So there was... It is a, um, it's a blessing, right? It, to you, it's been given the secrets of the, hev- uh, the, the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them, it has not been given. So, as if it was hiding in plain sight. So they would hear a, a, a story about a, a shepherd who goes and finds a lost sheep, and to them, they said, ah, whatever, you know, he just, he decided to leave 99 at the, at his barn, and he goes and goes and finds another one. But to the one who the Holy Spirit has revealed the truth to us, what a, what a, a marvelous truth it is that we have a God who would go out just to seek one sheep that's out lost and to bring him back and leave the 90 and, uh, 99, right? So, as we come to these parables, they have, remember, a dual purpose. One is that it conceals truth, but in the same sense, it reveals truth to who God wants to reveal it to. But in the beginning of our particular section, he tells us what the meaning is. I kind of like simple things. He tells us right off the bat, this is what it means. Those who trust, look, this parable, he says, he also said this parable to those who trust in themselves to be righteous and treated others with contempt. He tells us right from the beginning, what is it about? There's no question about it. Those who trusted in themselves, period, as it were, But in this particular case, he's identifying those who thought themselves to be righteous, that they were the judge and jury of their own life, and not only that, that they're the standard of morality. They said, you know what? My standard of morality is at this level, I'm righteous. And then it goes in hand in hand almost, that when you have that kind of attitude of self-righteousness, you end up looking down at other people, right? Treating others with contempt. So he tells us from the beginning what it is. Why he, um, oh, did I leave my, I think I left the, um, the presenter. So we're going to look at this. It's two men and two prayers. Thank you, Jason. Two men and two prayers. So we are, we already were identified, uh, uh, introduced to, to one. Uh, one of the men, it tells us here in verse 10, two men went up to pray, a Pharisee and a tax collector. Now, as you go through, especially the Gospels, you'll see this a lot. Paul talks about it because that was his profession. A Pharisee was just a sect of, of the Jewish faith, and they dedicated themselves as to be teachers of the law. And when we come to that, you, just, you can just, in your mind, to make it more simple, very religious, right? Very religious um, given themselves to, to, to learn, uh, to study God's word. They were literate. They were supposed to be teachers. And the other one is a tax collector. Now, we have two uh, public servants in our building today, and they're both tax collectors, but they're, you know, they're good guys. You know, we, we want to be around them, you know, Michael and, and Chris. You know, I like them both. But in that day, listen, now, the people that probably, they meet probably don't want to see them, right, because... They want to skip out 
most of the time that's who they're trying to find out. Uh, the cases that they receive is those who decide, you know what, the government, I'm not going to give them their share. But the tax collector, he's not, he's not a very liked person. I, I can't try to think of somebody who is probably less liked is probably the, the repo guy that, you know, when you stop paying your, for your car, he goes and picks up your car in the middle of the night. But the tax collector wasn't very liked. And, and the Lord uses tax collectors in various things. Actually, one of the persons that he meets, right, Massey was a tax collector. But um, unlike the tax collectors here, it was very lucrative. Because they, you know, they received what was owed the government, but maybe perhaps they had a little cut for themselves, you know, they had access to all this money. So it was very, it was very rewarding in the sense if you, if you don't mind doing something on the side and dishonest. So, but, but being on the other end, right, being the citizens who have to give these money to these people, not very well liked. So he gives the two professions. One's a Pharisee, a religious man a person who's uh, dedicated themselves to studying God's law, and the other one, well, he's a public servant and dedicated himself to, if he's very dishonest, right, robbing other people. And so, as you can tell, you know, you don't like to be violated and robbed in that way. So the man wasn't very well liked. So they go up for this particular purpose to pray. They go up to the the temple to pray. So it's two men and two prayers. Now, what we're going to look at, we got five points here. Now, this is, I don't do this often because sometimes it's a stretch in my mind. Um, you know, I started to rack. I'm trying to think of words. But this is the Mike Renth version of a PowerPoint. Now, I used the name twice already because I can only think of one person who likes to use the same letter. It's very, uh, it helps me remember, too, when I come to his, uh, when he's doing his messages. So we're going to have a prayer and everything's going to start with an A. Just keep that in mind. So the first thing we're going to look at is the attitude of the two. What is the attitude? Just in these five verses, the Pharisee standing by himself. That's the first thing we look. Now, standing by himself, my, I'm reading out of the ESV, that's significant. Standing by himself, he's there. Now, as you can see his prayer when he gets to it, it almost seems like he's standing by himself, but imagine the position might be standing by himself up here, right? So everybody can see me, but, Instead, you know, you might think maybe he's standing off in the corner. I don't think so. I think he was standing to where people could notice him, right? But it says he's standing by himself. The Pharisee, what is he? Oh, there we go. So red is Pharisee, blue is um, is tax collector. What is the tax collector's position? What's his attitude when he comes to the temple to pray? He says, it says a couple things about him, is that he stood off afar off. Now, this this is obvious, right? So in the temple, right, he stood off, maybe if this was the temple, he might have been in the foyer back there, right? Just enough to where the doors were open, he could see what's going on, but to nobody can notice him. He also says this, is that he would not even lift his eyes up to heaven. Now this is going ahead, but his attitude, right, when he starts to pray, he wouldn't even lift his eyes up to heaven. He continually would be looking down, and he was beating his, not the microphone, he was beating his chest, right? He was beating his chest. Now, this is significant because this is setting the stage, right? This is starting to reveal them. This is starting to reveal what their mindset is. And really, this is really like, I guess, the, the idea of social media, right? Social media has a way of turning people inside out to see what's underneath. Well, these guys were turning themselves inside out so everybody can see what they were about. One guy is standing off by himself. Now, again, it doesn't necessarily say in the ESV where that's at, but I would, I would say, 
given the, the, the content of his prayer and who he's praying to, it probably was in a position where he was noticed. He was up in front. Okay, that's number one. Number two, who are they addressing? Addressing, this is significant too. So back to our Pharisee. So he's standing by himself and prayed. Now, he does say God, but I like the, the way the King James Version uh, presents this. It says that he prayed to himself. To himself. Now, most people fall in this category. Now, I'm not talking about uh, true believers, but most people... Oh, totally forgot to mention this. Now, one of the things I do like about this, I'll mention at this point, not only is it simple, it's simple for this reason. It's either left or right. There's nothing in between. It's either you're this or you're that. You either trust yourself or you trust God. There's nothing in in between. And honestly, what I'm finding with the Lord is is finding in the Christian life is you can't do that even in the Christian life. Sometimes we like to do this game where we're juggling these things in our life, right? Yes, I trust the Lord. And yes, well, you know what? My pocketbook and and my bank account, I'm kind of going to hold on to that. It doesn't work like that, right? You're either trusting the God or you're trusting yourself. Everybody falls in one of the other two categories. Now, again, the Lord will work with us, right? As, as a Christian, we go through the Christian life. He's trying to strip these things out, and he's trying to make us more like his son. But this particular parable puts people in two different camps, one or the other. I like that. Nothing in between. So he is praying to himself. Now, he does say God, but he says he's standing off praying to himself. Now, most people, as I said before I took a little uh, detour there, that they fall under this. Now, when I, not just religious people. I think, I personally think if you, um, if you're of the, now this is of course talking about unbelievers, but if you're uh, 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 an atheist sometimes, or you just want to say, as most of you deal with, you know what, I don't really believe any of that God stuff, heaven, whatever, they end up, that's their religion. That's their religion. They've been, what they're telling you, is that they've been around this entire universe, wherever it is, the, the expanse of space, and they said, you know what, there is no God. There's nobody to believe out there. They have enough knowledge to say, you know what, that's their religion. They have faith in that. And you say, well, then who do they pray to? Well, they trust themselves, right? Two different camps. Trust themselves or they trust God. So he's praying to himself. Who, oh, one ahead. So who does the... Who is the um, who does the uh, tax collector address? Well, he addresses God. Remember his his posture of of not lifting his eyes up to he- uh, up to heaven. He's looking down. He's beating his chest. Right, very contrite, very contrite when he comes to pray. All right, moving on. The appeal. Now, what is it that they're appealing for? When we come to prayer. When you do, or I do, right? We have something that we're appealing to God about. We're asking Him. That's the idea of prayer. It's not just, yes, it is communication, but we're appealing to the God of heaven for something. Well, what is, what is the Pharisee appealing for? I put it like this. Now, this is another A word, but I tried to sum up what he's talking about. It's an advertisement of his life. It's like, God, hello? Have you not been noticing that, you know, I'm not kind of like this person and I'm not kind of like that person. And, you know, sometimes I, I kind of, maybe not to that degree. Of course, that, that man is, it was not a believer, but 
you know, you, you tend to say, you know, I kind of got a handle of this kind of sin. I don't really have a problem with it, but man, I struggle with this over here. And we kind of try to highlight that, you know, it's like, yeah, I don't, how can you get involved with that? But then, you know, this thing over here, whew, or I can hardly get, let it go. And what he was doing was advertising to God as if God didn't know. God, you know what? Look at this. I'm not like that. I'm not like this person. And he names a couple of things. Well, you know, I've never been into adultery. I don't have a problem with that. Well, maybe so. But he had a problem lying, maybe, or stealing. Uh, I'm not like an extortioner. You know, I don't hold people up for ransom. And I'm not even like this tax collector. He's advertising, and then he goes on to the things that he does in ties and whatnot. And then, can you imagine, I mean, can you imagine just on a personal level, sometimes you talk to people, and if I come to have a conversation, and all my conversation is just I, 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 this, 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 and this is what I do, how would that make you feel? <laughs> in, my, in my line of uh, work, this, this happens a lot. We, um, because I would consider my, our group... I work with servers, and there's, a, there's another group that works with the networking side, and then there's security. We're like the traditional IT, as it were. But then the IT is like 300 people. There's a lot of people out there, just desktop and whatnot. But in our particular building, there are those who are like liaisons between the nursing world and healthcare, and then um, they have some IT background, and so they, they kind of go between these two worlds. But they also are in between the vendors, right? Because they, they bring in the software and there's just so much software that's used out in the hospital and this particular doctor likes this one. Anyway, so they have to deal with these vendors, but they don't quite know what's going on. And so, you know, they kind of just point us towards us. And so when something goes wrong, you know, everybody's looking for somebody to blame. This happens a lot because there's a lot of money on the table, right? The company doesn't want to be held, you know, they don't want it to be held responsible, you know. Just like anything else, you don't want to be called guilty, right? Nobody likes being in that place. But a lot of these people, what they end up doing when we're trying to work through it and we get it going and everything's fixed, they end up, this is a vendor, not even an employee of the company I worked with, they'll blast an email to the other IT person, their boss, and then the director, and what their email is involved with, I, I, I did this, I did this, I did that. And it's like, they're just advertising themselves, right? They're trying to puff themselves up. It's job security in their particular case. And it looks their, makes their company look better. Sometimes it's just like, because it's like, I did all the work. And then here they are taking all the credit. But, you know, it's, it's not fun to talk to somebody like that, right? That they're so puffed up. And their conversation is all about their advertising what they can do. And not only that. It almost goes hand in hand, right? They end up putting somebody else down, right? Looking others and keep treating others with contempt. And even in this prayer, imagine that. Talking to the creator of heaven and earth, whose righteous standard is, is you know, who's righteous, who's just, who is moral, who's never done sin, nothing. And you're telling him, you know what? Look at what I've done. And then he ends up turning and says, you know what? I'm not like these other people. He's advertising his own uh, life, as it were, towards God. As if God didn't notice, right? Look what I've been doing down here. Look what I've been doing down here. You're starting to see what, from the beginning, what this man is about, right? He's about puffing himself up, right? Taking the highest station and exalting himself. Well, what is the appeal? What is the appeal of the other man, the tax collector? He doesn't even say anything. He abstains from it. I mean, he doesn't even bring it up. 
You know, he might have done something. He might have done, you know, walked the little old lady across the street so she wouldn't get ran over by camels, whatever it was. He probably did something. He never even brings it up. Because you know what? He realizes he has a good picture of who God is and how exalted he is. And then before him, he's faced, he's faced out. That's his creator. That's his the one who sustains him. He understood, right? He understood his position before God. And he just doesn't even talk about it. Doesn't say anything. Not an advertisement about what he was and, and how good he was and how much he's a benefit to society and why God needs him down here in this particular position. He just was happy to be able to tongue talk to God. He doesn't even bring it up, what he was about. Now, he does want to say something. So, the crediting. Now, this one is a little bit of straight. Like, what is he, what is he bringing attention to? Now we, we learn about his appeal. Well, the, the man we, kind of goes hand in hand with our appeal, but he's just promoting himself. But I wanted to bring out this particular case, um, uh, point, is that these two things almost go hand in hand is the one when you start talking about yourself or your self-promotion or you get puffed up, there's no more room for anybody else, right, in that picture or in the room. You end up putting other people down. And sometimes it makes you feel better, right? Well, you know, I'm not as bad as uh, that brother over there or that sister over there. And oof, how can they do that? And, man, I would never be able to do that. And really, it's it's it comes from a heart of pride, but... They go hand in hand, these two things. It's the, the, the puffing up of one's individual self and, and, and what they've done and their accolades, but then putting others down. Now, I want you to think of, of the Lord Jesus Christ, right? The ultimate example of one who is humble. But, you know, if anybody had right to boast was him, right? He didn't do anything wrong. And quite frankly, you know, his, 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 the way that he came into this world was was very, um, was, there wasn't, uh, of course, there, well, there was a lot going on with the angels singing in heaven and, and the star, but it was, you know, he could have passed through the, the annals of history nobody would have known, right? He wasn't born in some kind of castle or some kind of pomp, but he took the low station. Now, he did that for a reason, but he um, was the opposite of this man, right? He, put, he took the lowest uh, position and was always looking to pro- promote other people, right? To lift them up. And what was the what was the uh, the tax collector? We already mentioned this. Nothing. He didn't even bring up the subject. He didn't even want to say anything good about himself because you know what? He understood where he was, his position before God, and that was on his knees and humble, right before his Creator. All right. What's the aftermath? We're going to get to this, and then we're going to talk a little bit about the application. What is what is the aftermath? Now, it says this. Well, it doesn't say anything about him. But it says this in verse 14. I tell you, Jesus then picks up the story. This man, talking about the tax order, went down justified but uh, uh, rather than the other. So there's silence from heaven. Now, sometimes when we, when we pray, uh, when we come to, to, to appeal to the Lord, you know, there's something that we, 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 um, we want to ask for him. And... Sometimes we take the silence as, well, he's not answering. Now, sometimes he doesn't answer, but sometimes the silence is a no, right? There is an answer. But in this particular case, this man, there was nothing. Zip. God didn't say anything about it. You know what? This man went down. I have nothing. He already got his prayer. He got his answer, right? What he was seeking for was the recognition among men, and he got it already. 
There's nothing more that God needed to do. But the other man, what does it say he went? He went down justified. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. This is not the first time that he actually brought this up. Um, there was a time when, uh, we're going to turn back over to it. It's in 14. Uh, no, is it 13? Now I lost it. But it's in either Luke 13 or 14. And he says, you know what? When you're invited to, um, when you're invited to somebody's house, now, I don't, I don't necessarily, I think this, when we think about it today, you know, if I were to go to somebody's house to sit in the highest position where there's order, I mean, I don't know who orders their table that way, but in that day, it made sense. But when you're invited to somebody's house, you know what? Don't take the seat that's in front of everybody, right? This position, there was a position of, uh, that was, an, you know, if you sat there, you were an honored guest. Don't go there. Actually, take the seat that's all the way at the bottom because you know what? You know, the person, the master of the house, he might come and say, you know what? There's somebody more deserving to sit here than you. And what an embarrassment that would be. Right? Does that not happen in our lives today? Sometimes we get so welled up with ourselves that the Lord has to chop us down sometimes, right? Bring something to humble us. But instead, Lord says, you know what? Take the seat that's all the way at the bottom. Now, there was a guy, uh, there is a guy still around, but he used to say, well, he still does, but, you know, everybody's fighting and climbing to get to the top, right? It, it's, it's, a, it's, it's cutthroat in the business world, especially backstabbing a lot, but nobody's fighting to go down to the bottom. And that's what the scripture tells us to do, right? Can you imagine this room full of Christians? If everyone was fighting to get to the bottom, what would it be like? There'd probably be a lot less arguing and, and problems with each other, right? Because that's generally, for me, what gets in the way, you know? I just use Bother Bob because he's looking at me. He offends me, you know? And what gets in my way is my pride. It gets in my way. And I can say all this, ah, oh, Bob did this and Bob did that. I can't believe it. But in the end, when I start peeling away that stuff, it's my pride that he's offended. But instead, if I was trying to dig and swim and get to the bottom, I'd say, you know what? I forgive Bother Bob. I just turn that over to the Lord and move on. But instead, we like to hold on to things. And then our pride and, and, and our justice and our sense of twisted justice, you know, these things get in the way. But if everybody was swimming and trying to take that low seat all the way down instead of taking the one up here, can you imagine what difference this church would be like? Right? Everybody's swimming to be at the bottom or trying to get and fight and claw to get to the bottom and take the lowest position. So this is the second time that he brought it up. Well, this is another time they brought up that if you want to go up, the way up is to go down. Now, there is, um, I, I brought this up a couple times, but in my job now, I'm not like desperate to get up, but I think, you know, being a single, um, single income family, you know, what if our family grows and, you know, these kind of things start weighing on me and I'm like, oh, I don't make enough. And then I start looking to my job. I said, you know what? I've been doing the same thing for a while and you know what? I think it's ready for me to move up. And then I start looking around. I said, man, I've just been doing everything. Nobody has a problem with me. And then these opportunities come up. And then guess what happens? Somebody backstabs me, and it doesn't get going to me. And then I start feeling, you know, there needs to be some justice here. you know. And then you start thinking these things in your head, and you start, man. But then you realize the, Lord, the Lord's over all this, right? 
And in that moment when I'm so like hurt and I'm like, oh, this thing needs to be better. And, and look at my situation. God knows, right? When that man came to me, he's praying and he's advertising himself. God already knew it, right? God already knew it. So he's watching. He's allowing me to go through these things, right? And I see that. And really what he's doing, right, is stripping away myself and teaching me something about myself. And instead, in that moment, right, in that moment, if I was just swimming towards the bottom, there'd be no problem, right? Lord, that's the station we want to be, right? The Lord Jesus Christ gave us the example. He humbled himself. And what happened after? The Lord lifted up to the highest place in all the universe. So if I want, in a practical sense, right, if I want some kind of promotion... It's got to be from the bottom up. I can't be trying to get to the top and say, oh, now I'm here. If I'm going to be the one to move me up there, the Lord's going to bring me back down. I want to, I want to highlight something because um, as a believer, we, um, this has been such, uh, this particular event has been uh, a little bit of a, a shaking. There's been various uh, stations uh, of my life that I've come through, and, and I don't know totally everybody if you've ever can say this, but I think every Christian needs to go through a rock-bottom experience at some point. Um, we tend to be full of, our, full of ourselves, and the, you know, there's something that just mounts up, and the Lord just, whoosh, and then we fall right down on our face, right? Now, in some cases, it's, it's pretty hard. And the depth of how far you are just really depends. But everybody needs to go through it, I think, at one point. It's just to realize, you know, what's going on here and who's in control. But this has been a sort of shaking of it, this particular event. And in, this, in light of what's going on here, that, you know, we're walking in, we're walking around in, in, in where the Lord has placed us, right? Sometimes he's placed us inside of a hospital system. Sometimes he's placed us where we're working four days or three days from home, and then we, we go and meet with certain people to collect our taxes. Sometimes we're working on people's air conditioner, uh, or we're working in a school system. And we think, well, you know, there's a responsibility that I have. You know, I have a family to provide, and, you know, some of the man things i got to do, you know, i got to provide for them. And, and those are all great. But, you know, as a believer, we're, we're, we're uh, day-to-day introduced to people just like this. That they're trusting themselves and they're one breath away from going to hell. How does that bother us? If, you know, not bother us, but what is, where's our heart? You know, we can get so, uh, uh, um, I'll speak for myself sometimes, like especially that event I just told you about, about the promotion. You know, those are good things, right? I want to provide for my family. I want to give them the best. But then, you know, it just becomes about me and what I can get. And then this happens. I'm going to bring this up now. This might not mean anything to you guys, but I'm going to explain it. We're going to highlight this man right here, Dan. Now, this is this is in my office. I don't. I should have put it on a black background. But you know, these are different. Uh, don't worry about Exchange 13, 2013. But these are the names, really. So this man, uh, particularly Dan, this is his board. A lot of the guys on my team, in particular, are near retirement. They've been working for a while. And, you know, they, they come around, they collect. Yeah, you know, I'm going to go. You know, Mike says, I'm, I'm out. Oh, well, I think he was joking about that. This particular guy, he's at the end, and he keeps saying he's going to retire this time, you know, because he's always complaining about this, that, and the other thing. And, you know, he's close, and, 
And Barry's saying he's out in 2028, 2023, 2020, you know, whatever. So Dan in particular, he said, you know, this is probably about two years ago. I'm going to be out in five, five. So everybody kind of knows, ah, that's a long way off, you know. So now things are getting closer. So now fast forward to last year, the end of last year. Suddenly, he's telling everybody he's retiring in June. I'm like, ooh, okay. That's good. I mean, he's, he's an intricate part of the team. He's, he's really the only one that is in control of this particular system. Uh, we dabble in it, but he's really the expert. Then suddenly... Um, you know, things, you know, he's telling everybody this. There's a major project I'm working with him on, and he starts flaking out, not coming to work, you know. Something's happened. There's something that's happened that's kind of fast-forward his timetable. Don't really know much at that point. You know, uh, certain things you start noticing is kind of weird. You never really exhibit before. And then probably about three weeks ago, um, haven't seen him in a while. Now, this has been happening for a month. Um, but now it's been silence for a while. Well, the HR person contacts. He lives alone. He lives in a particular you know lifestyle. But they discover him dead. Died. I mean, the guy was. He's not. When I say close to me, he's not like you know Bob close to me, my brother Bob. But he was close in the sense that God put me close to that man's life. Right now, he knew I was a Christian. We've had conversations, and really, the um, some of the things that we talked about, you know, he just he didn't want to hear it because you know he lived an alternative lifestyle, and he was happy with that. Um, but I bring this up when I heard the news; it kind of gave me goosebumps because I, mean, I don't know if you've ever had this before. Somebody that close to you, and for all you know, in hell now. I mean, does that has that ever affected you or bothered you? It's like. Now, listen, I'm not blaming myself that he's there. I mean, I think the Lord gave him enough. But, you know, could, could I uh, just peel back why I'm at Memorial? You know, why am I, why am I at school today? Or why am I at, the, 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 uh, at Publix? Because every day, I'm, I'm around people that are trusting themselves that they're righteous. And every day that God has had me come in contact with these people, and I remain silent about the one that, you know what? There's only one way you can go up. It's down first. You got to humble yourself before God, right? You got to be truthful about your sin and God will forgive you, right? But instead, right, we meet people like this. Now, I bring that up because, um, well, one, to encourage us to witnessing, but, um, you know, the Lord really opened up a lot of opportunities, obviously, because, because death is one of the greatest preachers, right? It speaks to, because it shakes people's belief. Now, there's another thing happening right now that's shaking people is this coronavirus. Man, it, it is like hysteria. Um, that just one little thing could really shake our foundation. But um, there's been a lot of one-on-ones. But one particular um, thing I was privy to end up going is for the whole building, they ordered some grief counseling because a lot of people were really, really upset about this. And I ended up, uh, I was able to attend. Now, I wasn't going to come out there and start, you know, preaching as I was like, it's the timing is not right. But I said, you know, Lord, if you open up some kind of opportunity where I can say something, it'd be great because, you know, you know what these things are about. You know, yeah, grief counselor, what they do is identify the grief. But then what? Right. Then what? What? I mean, I'm watching this and I'm like, my heart's broken for these people because that's exactly well, I was before Christ. Right. Yeah, you can identify the grief. But then what do you do? It's more grief. 
And his answer was just, you know, wait it out and wait it out. Time is what heals it, but it doesn't. Right? How do you deal with life? How do you deal with death? Right? That is the real issue. Not just that man dying. What do you do? And some of the things that they were brought up, it's like, man, they spent all their time, the last remaining years, preparing for retirement, and he never got to enjoy it. That's the way life is, right? I mean, this life. If you're just living for the physical, sometimes it just leaves you like that. Because it's empty. Right? There needs to be something more. And we have it, right, as believers. There is something more out there. There's something more filling, and it's found in Jesus Christ. But... Back to our story is that, you know, there are those who are coming across, that we come across, excuse me, that all their life is just filled with themselves, right? And you say, well, oh, poor them. But, you know, that was us before Christ, right? We didn't know any better, right? We, that was the original sin, right? I know better than God. God said, don't eat this. The one, there was one rule. <laughs> I mean, I have problem keeping track of a, a tons of rules, but there was one rule. Just don't eat it. He says, you know what? I know better than God. And now there's been a the whole human history has been that you know what I know better than God. Step aside, let me take the reins instead. But we know the answer, right? The Lord Jesus Christ has come to give us life. And how did He give us life? Well, He gave us His life. We are not righteous. Amount of good, you know? Yeah, we don't extort. We don't. We're on, we're not an adulterer. All that's we're not. No one's righteous, right? No, not one. But the Lord Jesus Christ has come us to give us His righteousness. And how did He do that? Well, by paying the price of our sin. What is our responsibility? Right, Being honest about our sin, repenting, and trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ that He has uh, saved us from our sins. And just remember my coworker, right? We come across those every day, right? They're preparing for this. Now, again, I don't know if you've ever met somebody who's reached a retirement that's an unbeliever, right? They end up probably either coming back in some case because they realize retirement isn't all they cracked up to be or there's some kind of life-changing event that they're shaking their foundation because death's at the doorstep death's at the doorstep so may god help me may god help us right to be better be more aware be better witnesses be lights right wherever he shines not just look at as yes this is what i got to do this is how i got to provide for my family but there are individuals one breath away on their way to a lost eternity May it shake us up, right? And may we be better in uh, our witness towards them. All right, let's close in a word of prayer. Father, we just thank you for this day. We're just so, thank- so thankful for your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, who gave us the, the ultimate example of having everything and then to pass it up for a time being to show us what it means to be humble, Father. Um, I know I have my fill of myself and you are working through your Holy Spirit to get these things out. But we just are so thankful that you just haven't given up, Lord. As much as we are so full of ourselves in certain points in our life, Lord, just help us to be more like your son. Lord, it's painful at times um, when you have to strip away these things. But we're just so th- so thankful for the things that you bring us through. And, Father, we just are reminded, too, of those around us, Lord, that the lifestyle that we once possessed outside of Christ that was just on our way to hell. We just pray that we'd be more shaken and more aware and that we'd be uh, lights to them. And we just pray that you bring us home safely. In Lord Jesus' name, do pray. Amen.